Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company, and I hope you'll give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show lined up for you today, including special guest Keith Flaw, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Michael Canada is the Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government and the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett, always has insightful comments about what's happening here locally and around the world. It is April the 28th, and on this day in 1945, Benito Mussolini and his mistress, Clara Petracci, uh, uh, are shot, were shot by Italian partisans who had captured the couple as they attempted to flee to Switzerland. The 61-year-old deposed former dictator of Italy was established by his German allies as a figurehead of the puppet government in northern Italy during the German occupation toward the close of the war. As the allies fought their way to the Italian peninsula, defeat of the Axis power was all but certain. Mussolini considered his options not wanting to fall in the hands of either the British or the Americans, and knowing that the communist partisans who had been fighting in the remnants of roving Italian fascist soldiers and thugs in the north would try him as a war criminal. So he settled on escape to neutral uh, country. He and his mistress made it to Swiss, uh, the Swiss border, only to discover that the guards had crossed over to the partisan side. Knowing they would not let them pass, he disguised himself as a Luftwaffe coat and helmet, hoping to slip into Austria with some German soldiers. His subterfuge proved incompetent, and he and his wife uh, or mistress were discovered by partisans and shot. Their bodies then transported by truck to Milan, where they were hung upside down and displayed publicly for revilement by the masses. Not a good ending, and not a good costume, and not a good way to escape. Puppet uh, leader Mussolini. But our own Alfie Oaks, owner of Seat to Table and Food to Thought, was interviewed by Tucker Carlson on Fox. The interview is available this morning, available through Fox Nation on or TuckerCarlson.com. I plan to watch the interview. I know Linda's looking forward to it as well. A snippet of it was played last night during the Tucker Carlson show, and uh, Alfie's a bright guy. He runs a very big business and a good business, so uh, looking forward to his comments uh, on Tucky, Tucker Carlson today. Well, the Labor Department's March inflation numbers released this month skyrocketed past February's, hitting a 12-month increase of 8.5% and the steepest annual increase since 1981. That's no small figure, but the most Americans know the inflation they encounter at the grocery store checkout, the gas pump, and the car lot, and the leasing office is far higher than 8.5%. Just look at the basic items like groceries and gas, and you'll see how much higher those necessities are climbing than the generic inflation figures slapped across headlines. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, in the average U.S. city, ground beef is up 14.9% since March, boneless stew beef is up 24.3%, bacon is up 23%, boneless chicken breasts are up 17%, and eggs 25.9%, milk is up 17%, Frozen orange juice concentrate is up 18% and ground coffee up 16%. Meanwhile, fuel oil has jumped a whopping 71.5%. Utility gas is up 23.3%. So none of those uh, figures are as low as 8.5%. These are, those are most of the consumables, aren't they? Many of these urban numbers don't even capture how steeply prices have risen for the middle America. In the Midwest, ground beef has risen 24.5%, almost 10 percentage points more than in the urban average. So it's even worse <clears throat> in the Midwest. In all likelihood, these prices aren't just done climbing. Investment firm Evercore uh, projected the price of chicken breasts to jump a year-over-year -year rate of up to 70% in the first half of 2022, with beef and pork pricing rising 20%. So when you hear 8% inflation banded about, you can feel pretty certain your costs are rising at a far higher rate. You're just feeling the very real consequences of inflationary policies that Washington types are happy to brush off. 
And don't listen to CNN journos explaining to you uh, why inflation can actually be good for everyday Americans and bad for rich people. Access reported from Labor Department statistics, shoppers with incomes of less than $40,000 aren't buying as much fresh meat and seafood. They're turning to frozen meat or canned uh, stuff instead and buy more store brands. It's these lower-income shoppers that are most at risk as food prices rise. It's also not just gas and groceries that are rising higher and faster than nationally reported inflation numbers. According to Redfin analysis, February saw a 15% year-over-year increase in asking rent and a 31% jump in the national home buyer's median monthly mortgage rate. Americans in the market to buy used vehicles have also seen a higher price spike than the overall inflation rate by a whopping 41.2% as of March. As at the same time, wages can't keep pace with infl- rising prices, meaning Bidenflation is skimming off the top of American paychecks to the tune of around $4,200 in annual depreciation of a salary's, uh, annual salary, uh, salary's worth. These are unsustainable numbers for most Americans, especially those who aren't making as much as politicians pushing bloated, multi-trillion dollar spending plans to flood the economy with cash that's bleeding value. Legacy media outlets tried to put, turn or try to downplay rising inflation as something that could be solved by eating lentils and uh, letting the family eat, uh, let family pet die. But Americans know every time they buy groceries, fill up the gas tank, or pay the utility bill, how hard high-spending inflationary policies are making their lives. I just filled up my wife's car with gas the other day, and my goodness, I could not believe the price. It just really brings to home uh, what, what's happening with inflation. It's real. Well, a federal judge ordered a two-week halt Wednesday Uh, on phasing out the pandemic-related restrictions on seeking asylum and raising doubts about Biden's administration's plan to fully lift those restrictions, Title 42, by May 23rd. For now, the decision is only a temporary setback for the administration, but the judge staked out a position that is highly sympathetic with Louisiana, Arizona, and 19 other states that sued to preserve the so-called Title 42 authority, which denies migrants a chance at asylum on the grounds of preventing the spread of COVID-19. The decision to end Title 42 authority was made by the Federal Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. It's also come under growing criticism from elected officials, both Republicans and uh, Democrats, who contend the administration is unprepared for anticipated increase in asylum seekers. Now, more on illegal immigration. President uh, Joe Biden's Department of Homeland Security has crafted a plan to more quickly and easily bus and fly border crossers into American communities as a response to the president seeking to end Title 42. So we can only hope that the uh, court stays or or holds off the end of Title 42 for forever. (laughs) The public health authority used it to, uh, to deter illegal immigration Biden's officials um, admit that they're up to a half a million border crosses and illegal aliens, the equivalent of a resident population of Atlanta, Georgia, could cross the border every month after Title 42 expires or ends to relieve DHS officials of the potentially record-breaking illegal immigration that's expected. Mayorkas, Alejandro Mayorkas, wrote that the agency will surge taxpayer funding to non-governmental organizations, NGOs, such as the Jewish Family Services and Catholic Charities that help bus and fly border crossers into American communities. Can you believe that? That's the plan. That's the immigration plan from Mayorkas. He also details and plans the step-by-step process where DHS ends all releasing ends up releasing tens of thousands of border crossers into American communities every month. In March alone, DHS released more than 80,000 border crossers into the U.S. interior, a population larger than the president's hometown of Scranton, PA. As part of the plan, Biden's uh, Department of Defense is expected to provide, as needed, rapid contracting support for air and ground transportation for border crossers being transported to American communities. DHS is also looking to have NGOs provide legal assistance to border crossers and illegal aliens so they can fight deportation orders and gain asylum in the United States. NGOs will present as well as uh, provide legal orientation services and on, uh, upward onward uh, transportation for those low-risk individuals that are ultimately released 
on ATD, Mayorkas wrote, <clears throat> as sources the DHS have said, they're merely serving as an Uber service for border crossers and illegal aliens, releasing most who arrive at the southern border into American communities with the help of NGOs. We're like a full-service travel agency, a source said. Biden's catch-and-release network has released foreign populations in the U.S. interior in the numbers greater than the population of many American cities. For instance, from January 2021 to February 2022, Biden's release of more than 765,000 border crosses and illegal aliens into American communities, not including illegal aliens who successfully crossed the border undetected or unaccompanied, were resettled by the federal government, 765,000. And it's only going to get worse if we list Title 42. Hope the court uh, deals with that. One additional thing on uh, illegal immigration, the U.S. Supreme Court on Tuesday held arguments on Texas' lawsuit against the federal government for ending the migrant protection protocols, commonly known as Remain in Mexico policy. The MPP is a Trump-era immigration policy that requires migrants seeking asylum in the U.S. to wait in Mexico for their U.S. court hearings. Biden suspended the MPP on his first day in office, and then uh, his Department of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas, issued a memo terminating the policy last June. However, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit in December upheld a lower court's order that required Biden to, to re-implement MPP in good faith. Of course, he hasn't done it. Biden appealed to the Fifth Circuit's decision to the U.S. Supreme Court, which resulted in Tuesday's oral arguments. Now, the Supreme Court's decision in this case is expected to come up in June. It's not many months away couple of months away, but it's a long time when you consider thousands of illegal aliens crossing the border being shipped by plane and bus to different cities across the United States. And on another note, the CDC and FDA officials altered COVID guidance and even suppressed finding related to the uh, virus due to political pressure. This according to a bombshell report. Investigators from Watchdog or the Government Accountability Office spoke to more than a dozen directors and managers who worked at the agencies behind the country's pandemic guidance. They unearthed allegations of political interference in scientific reports raising fears that research was tampered with. In the 37-page report, GAO warned that neither agency had a system in place for reporting allegations of political interference. It also said they had failed to train staff on on how to uh, spot and report this. Whistleblowers said they did not speak up at the time for fear of retaliation because they were unsure how to report the issues or believe leaders would, uh, were already aware. This is, uh, this is something intuitively, uh, at least I knew or, or believed, and now it's being confirmed the GAO has uncovered the fact that uh, the information we got was politicized. And you may be aware that Dr. Fauci now is saying that we're now out of the pandemic phase of COVID, and now he's retracted that in 24 hours. It's a mess. Uh, I wish we had uh, public health officials that we could trust. We'll speak a little bit to uh, Michael Cannon about that from the Cato Institute. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also, Life in Naples magazine, be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Keith Law, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. 
What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabee's.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252 252- 4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new, refreshing social networking platform. And you can find out more and download the app by visiting the website choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to visit with Michael Cannon, Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Right now we have with us Keith Flaw, co-founder of a terrific organization. It's called the Florida Citizens Alliance. Keith, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Keith. Tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance. Well, we're a a grassroots organization, a coalition of uh, now well over 100 grassroots groups across the state of Florida. uh, over 110,000 people in our active uh, database, and we focus on K through 12 education. Uh, to us, that means trying to st- stop the indoctrination, uh, you know, all the way from critical race theory to the pornography and LGBTQ content in our in our schools. And of course, we're huge, huge fans of uh, school uh, parental school choice. Um, so yeah, it's just, those are the main things we work on. Yeah, goflca.com is the website. And uh, I, I will just say I'm so pleased that Florida Citizens Line has made such a positive impact on public education all over the state of Florida because of your efforts. Just really pleased about it. Hey, I understand there was a emergency school board meeting in Collier County uh, the other day. Yes, uh, a little bit of background. Back on March 29th, the uh, school board adopted... <laughs> Uh, some English language arts and math textbooks. And it turned out that uh, a little over a week ago, the Florida Department of Education rejected a bunch of those math books. And uh, seven of them were on the list that the Collier County School Board had, had had adopted. So by the state rejecting them, and, and the state rejected them, and the governor actually put out a press release on this as well, because they contained S, uh, social-emotional learning which is, uh, in fact, a subset, if you will, uh, of critical race theory. So so they had to ha- have a special hearing to decide what they were going to do. And what they concluded is they're going to go ahead and proceed with the English language arts books they adopted back on March 29th. And, and some of those math books that, uh, the, that were not on the rejection list. Uh, the major issue that that we have, Florida Citizens Alliance, has with proceeding with the English language arts, and it, this may sound a little complicated, but it's really pretty straightforward. Um, the, the the rubric, the methodology that the Department of Education used to reject those math text, uh, math textbooks, um, focused on 
whether the books contained a, a social emotional learning and critical race theory. Uh, a year ago, when they adopt, when the DO, uh, Department of Education adopted English language arts books, they didn't include those elements, those special elements in the rubric. So uh, what what the department, what Florida uh, Call Your County School System is doing is they're going to go now and try to adopt those finalize the adoption of those uh, English language arts books that in fact have critical race in them because we uh, nobody was focusing on it a year ago. Yeah. And so they're going to proceed to adopt uh, English language arts books that in many cases because of the new House Bill 7 that the governor just signed on against anti-discrimination, they're not going to be able to use. So we're trying to convince them to uh, redo the whole process. And so far, they've it's fallen on deaf ears. Oh, that's too bad. I mean, the Naples Daily News put on an article saying there are no uh, prohibited books in uh, on the on the governor's list in Collier or Lee counties. That was kind of misleading, wasn't it? No, that was very misleading. <laughs> yeah. uh, seven of the of the books they adopted uh, in math were on the rejection list, and that's all now well known uh, because of this emergency uh, hearing. Uh, what we're trying to do is to get them to, to redo the process on all of it, because literally they're going to spend uh, you know mi um, millions of dollars on these ZLA textbooks, and and then uh, in many cases not be able to use uh, significant pieces of them uh, because of the, the, the new House Bill 7 that the governor signed that goes into effect July uh, first, so uh, they're, 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 uh, the, the logic they're using to proceed is well, they were on the approved list a year ago, so they must be okay. Yeah, so <laughs> I really appreciate you keeping us up to date on what's going on with this, Keith. Just so so important. We spend a billion dollars a year here in Cuyahoga County, more than that. And uh, yeah, one point three billion. And one point three billion in public education, and uh, you know most people just don't pay attention. It's really a shame because it's really important. Speaking of which. Uh, you held your first uh, forum for uh, uh, Collier County School Board uh, candidates for the upcoming election. Uh, how did it go? It uh, went very well. Unfortunately, there were there are 11 candidates running in the three districts, and four of the candidates uh, didn't make it. Um, two of them had what I would consider to be legitimate reasons. Uh, two of them just didn't show. Uh, so we had a, a we had a lively forum. Uh, it was. Uh, live streamed and videoed. We'll be posting it uh, shortly on our website so people can uh, can see it. Um, the the um, plan is to do two more school board forums. Uh, one on uh, March or on uh, May 17th at the Grow Church in North Naples. Um, that's fi uh, five to seven at the Grow Church, and then the uh, the final uh, school board we're going to do forum we're going to do is uh, June 9th. And that'll be at the uh, New Hope Ministries Church. Um, the, the thing that I'd like your listeners to really think about, because uh, most most people just really don't understand, that 90% of the school board uh, candidates, incumbents, get reelected in the primary. Um, never go to the general. Uh, because it's a nonpartisan race, the candidates, uh, the incumbent who has an advantage because of name recognition, uh, only has to get 50% plus one vote. And if they get that in the primary, then they don't have to go to the general. Hmm. And, you know, far too many people sit back and say, well, the big election is going to be the governor's race in, in the general. And so we'll just wait and vote there. And, and by, uh, you know, for school board races, that's likely to be too late. So we're trying to encourage people to recognize that school board races are different and you really need to get out do your homework on the the candidates for school board and vote in that uh, august 23rd primary well we've seen the the uh, <laughs> stirring of uh, so many uh, parents about what's happened in the, the curriculum across the country school board members are not being reelected; they're being recalled it's an important event, and uh, we need to pay attention to what's happening to uh, our school board right here in Collier County. So I uh, hope everybody will visit the uh, website, goflca.com. Check out dates of future school board uh, forums put on by the, nonpartisan, by the way, put on by the Florida Citizens Alliance. And also you have an opportunity to take a look at what happened uh, last night. Are you doing anything for Collier County commissioners? Yes, we're doing two forums uh, for county commission on um, May 5th um, at 
Destiny Church, we're doing uh, a county commission forum for, um, you know, District 4. Uh, the, the incumbent there is Penny Taylor, and there's uh, three right now. There are three uh, candidates uh, that are running uh, in that race in addition to her. Uh, and then on uh, on the uh, 24th of May, uh, back at the Grove Church, we're doing a forum for all of uh, District 2. And right now there's uh, seven candidates running plus uh, an, uh, no party, an NPA candidate. So a uh, total of eight candidates. Uh, Andy Solis has decided not to run. So that kind of becomes, uh, I guess, it, not kind of, it does become an open seat and lots of interest in, in, in that that particular race so yeah we're doing three school board races as i said we're doing two board of county commission uh forums and that's all on our website under the events yeah again goflca.com is the website and again uh, keith you and uh, the rest of uh pastor rick doing a great job with regard to uh keeping us informed of what's happening here locally with regard to elections as well as uh staying on top of public school education thank you so much for joining us Sure, certainly. Uh, have a great weekend. Bob. You as well. Thank you, Keith. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Michael Cannon. He's the Director of Health Policy Studies. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer with chronic pain and discomfort? After back surgery, I had painful tendons and muscles and difficulty standing upright. On a referral, I visited Dr. Alec at I Am Designed to Heal, Naples' only vitality and longevity practice where acupuncture, medical massage, energy healing, and integrative holistic medicine are harmonized to create a -a one-of-a-kind restorative experience. After only two visits, my pain began to dissipate and I could stand and walk more upright. It was amazing. I plan to continue my treatments to enhance my sense of well-being. Don't suffer needlessly with discomfort and pain. Improve your quality of life. See for yourself and make an appointment by visiting the website IamDesignedToHeal.com. That's IamDesignedToHeal.com or you can call or text Dr. Alec at 239-322-3817. That's 322-3817. Visit IamDesignedToHeal.com for an amazing, one-of-a-kind, restorative experience. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, building a 44,000-square-foot performing arts center in downtown Naples. That'll be done in a couple of years. And in the meantime, bringing you terrific professional New York-style theater at its very best. And you can get tickets now by visiting the website gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now we have with us Michael Cannon. He is the director of health policy studies at the Cato Institute. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Great to be here, Bob. Thank you, Michael. Tell us about the Cato Institute. The Cato Institute is a libertarian think tank in Washington, D.C. We want you to be able to live your life however you want, so long as you respect the equal rights of others, which means We want to maximize individual liberty when it comes to government policy at the federal, state, local level. Terrific mission, and I certainly buy into it and support it myself. So, Michael, um, we haven't talked too much about Medicaid expansion, and there was a big push for that, of course, during the Obama years. 
Uh, where does Medicaid stand right now? Is it healthy? Is and what's what's going on? So the Medicaid program, you know, Congress passed it in 1965 along with Medicare. It exists ostensibly to help the poor obtain health care, people who cannot afford it themselves. There's a lot of people on Medicaid who don't fit that description, Mm -hmm. who artificially impoverish themselves to get Medicaid long-term care benefits, for example. Uh, But but this has been the approach of the, the... the left in the United States to making health care more affordable is to have to, to throw government subsidies at it. And in 2020, when Congress passed Obamacare, they they expanded the Medicaid program. They made it mandatory for states to expand Medicaid uh, to every able-bodied adult up to 138 percent of the federal poverty level, which is uh, an income threshold that varies depending on your household size. But this is something new, expanding Medicaid to able-bodied adults. Hmm. And so what the Supreme Court said was not uh, you can't compel states to do that. You have to give them a choice. And so far, 38 states have decided to expand Medicaid to able-bodied adults. 12 states uh, have not done so. And there's a push in those states to expand the Medicaid program. And that push is coming mostly not from 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 uh, the intended beneficiaries, but from the hospitals and pharmaceutical companies and other special interests who know that they will be getting lots more government money if states expand Medicaid. So uh, is Florida one of those 12 states? It is. And uh, another one is Kansas. There is a... Uh, a study that came out recently from a, a place called the Kansas Health Institute. Uh, there are lots of these studies that come out that try to argue that Medicaid won't cost states much or won't cost states anything if, uh, uh, if states expand it, uh, in part because the federal government's going to pick up 90% of the cost, but even that 10% of the cost that states are going to have to uh, pay they are finding that that cost is a lot bigger than they thought it would be. Mm-hmm. In states that have expanded the Medicaid program, enrollment has exceeded projections dramatically. The per-person cost, the per-enrollee cost of the program have, has exceeded projections dramatically. And usually state uh, officials at the state level who want to expand Medicaid don't say that it's not going to increase taxes, but sometimes they say the quiet part loud and admit that, yes, this is going to increase taxes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, you know, it's, again, it's a political ploy, you know, vote for me and I'll, we'll expand Medicaid and uh, you'll have more benefits as a result. Free stuff. <laughs> That's, and of course, there's no such thing as a free lunch, no free lunch. I mean, we're, I'm still waiting for my $2,500 rebate on insurance from Obamacare. <laughs> so it's just unbelievable. So, Uh, What's important about this, I want to underscore, is the fact that this is special interests who are pushing for this. This is the uh, pharmaceutical companies, hospitals. How do hospitals benefit? So uh, hospitals make tons of money off of the Medicaid program. Hmm. If you have have a low-income person who comes in through the emergency room, if uh, the hospital participates in Medicaid, or the uh, condition of that is they have to screen and stabilize that person without regard to that person's ability to pay. And if that person requires admission, then this is a, could be a lot of money that, uh, or a lot of resources the hospital is, is spending on this person. Yeah. They naturally want to be able to bill someone for that, and so they want to expand Medicaid because it will help them do that. Yeah, that makes sense. Pharmaceutical companies and a lot of doctors, same thing. So uh, they they want to uh, they just expand the the universal pay. How about how about the level of pay? Is it the same as Medicare, or uh, are they charging uh, or charging a discount to the physicians and to the hospitals? So Medicaid sets each state sets the payment rates that hospitals and doctors receive at the uh, when it comes to pharmaceuticals there are national rules uh, and and. And they usually set them below Medicare rates. Mm-hmm. But like Medicare, they don't pay much attention to the volume of services that the Medicaid enrollees receive. And so uh, and so Medicaid 
spending per person can still be very high. Uh, and there's another group that we haven't mentioned yet that figure prominently in these debates, which is insurance companies. A lot of states contract with insurance companies to provide benefits to Medicaid enrollees. And those insurance companies also want to expand the Medicaid program because that means that they will, be, they will get paid uh, for covering more people. Yep. And that's really the, the – when insurance companies participate in Medicaid, that's where spending can really increase because they have an incentive to enroll people who aren't going to use any services and therefore charge the government for people who weren't going to cost the government anything. Amazing. Uh, got to get the government out of our health care. It's unlikely it'll ever happen, but it would be a great thing if it happened. By the way, I just want to end on this note. Uh, Dr. Fauci tells us that the pandemic is over. <laughs> yeah, and then he withdraws it within 24 hours and say, well, that wasn't quite right. Uh, at some point, the pandemic uh, is going to be over and uh, the coronavirus is going to be endemic uh, a lot of people would say we've already passed that point. I would agree with that. Again, Michael Cannon, uh, Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Cato.org is the website. C-A-T-O.org. Michael, really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Bob. My Take pleasure care. indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Modley, the founder and president of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you too. School Choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America and is now supported by three out of four voters. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior schools of choice. Optima's goal is the successful launch of Hillsdale College, classical academies, and other schools of excellence serving kindergarten through 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. A terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy opened this fall in a classical virtual school. Optima Classical Academy will open in 2022. Find out more by visiting OptimaEd.org. Help children in Florida optimize their education opportunities. Visit www.OptimaEd.org. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Right now we have with us Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Seton. Tell us about Less Government. Yeah, we exist through society's scope and sphere of influence of government, and it's not happening. Well, you're working at it, and uh, the aspiration is uh, the is is worthwhile. So we're grateful for your efforts, Eden. <laughs> so uh, you wrote an interesting piece on interest rate hikes. Maybe you can tell us about it. Well, yeah. Well, obviously, you know, we're going to see a lot of interest rate hikes um, in the next year or so. Yep. Um, 
because the Fed was entirely too slow in, in responding to the inflation. Um, everybody knew it wasn't transitory except the White House and the Federal Reserve. Um, and so now they're going to have to beat us about the head and shoulders with interest rate hikes. Right. And, of course, that's bad. I mean, it's, it's good. We have to rate in inflation. This is, you know, it's, it, but the problem is the federal government owes $30 trillion. They have to pay interest on that, servicing the debt. That's going to get more expensive, which means they're going to be borrowing more money from the capital marketplace and that, of course, means the more government – it's called the crowding out effect. And there are some people who deny the crowding out effect, but they're idiots. Um, the more government borrows, the less money there is for the private sector to use to exist and grow. And so government is going to be taking a larger percentage of the available capital. Um, you know, they, they can't print anymore because that's what got us inflation in the first place. Well, they, they can, but they shouldn't. Um, because that's what got us, that's what got us inflation in the first place. So, so, so see, if I might, I mean, just, I just want to, I just want to underscore uh, an important point that you made in the column. I mean, let's face it: if interest rates go from two percent to five percent, then I'm talking about the interest rate that the federal government is paying in order to borrow money. We're talking about a 250 percent increase in the cost of money, and that's that's, an, right. that's not going to crowd out discretionary spending. That's going to crowd out everything. Everything. There's gonna, we're gonna, I, I saw a presentation by the guy who, named Brian Reddell who wrote the report for the Senate, uh, Senate Republicans that Social Security and Medicare are $100 trillion short over the next uh, 30 years. Yeah. And he pointed out that literally, like in 10 years, by 2030, every tax dollar the federal government collects will only go towards service on the debt. Not paying down the debt. Not spending on anything else, just the interest on the debt. Yeah, it's and coming. So, so we've got, you know, we got we got major problems down the road. So obviously, that's going to crowd out private sector capital for private sector activity. And of course, you know, as I always say, government activity poorest, hardest hit. Um, when when banks can't get money, you know, banks make money by lending money. Yep, that's what they do, and for the most part, and they'll have less to lend, which means they'll become choosier on to whom they'll lend money. And you know, people like Elon Musk fund their lifestyles by taking low interest loans against their billions in stocks and. Art, you know, they, people people borrow money against their art collection. Yep. You know, um, to to because it's cheaper to borrow the money at that rate than it is to actually sell the property and to, you know live that way because now you're cutting into principal. Well, as the private sector wealth dries up, the lending money dries up. The first people off the ladder are the poorest people. Right. They're the worst risk. Uh, as far as money is concerned, they have very low incomes because they're poor. Uh, they usually have very bad credit scores. So the you know so that they're the ones off the ladder. Well, there used to be a lot of community banks that lent them money because they had re you know they had lo they were local. They had uh, relationships with these people, and Dodd Frank out of D.C. killed the, the thousands of them. Right. Uh, allegedly to address too big to fail and all it did was make the big banks bigger right um thousands of banks either died, small banks either died or were in such dire straits they were acquired by the big banks big banks got an average 30 percent bigger after dodd frank so now those community lenders that lend to poor people are gone right so income the payday lenders the payday lenders are short-term they're called payday for a reason. You borrow the money until you get paid because right. you don't have enough cash to deal with something that's come up. Your car breaks down. You still need to fix the car. You need to fix the car to get into work. You borrow the money on a Tuesday. You pay it back on Friday when you get paid. And the payday lenders charge a high interest rate, which, you know, amortized over a year looks awful. Right. But they're not borrowing it for a year. 
they're borrowing it for three days, right. five days. Um, and remember, of course, we're dealing with poor people with low incomes and poor credit ratings. That increases their their uh, their lending rate. And, and how, about, how about how about how about how about they're getting squeezed by inflation too? That, that's exactly right. And as I like to point out, I have an 800 credit score. I have a decent, more than decent income, and my credit card rate is 22 percent. Right. It's not like you know these banks are, are you know are are saints in the interest department. It's Citibank, and they're you know I I I, I intentionally run just about everything I purchase through them because they give me two percent back. Right. I pay it all off every month, have for years. And I still have a 22% interest rate. Right. So let's not pretend the banks are saints in the interest rate department. So the, the, the payday lenders, are, I'm going to guess at the behest of lobbyists from the big banks, um, are in the crosshairs of D.C. They want to cap the interest rate that they, they can charge. Well, guess what happens when you, when you price cap? <laughs> you, you run out of the thing. You, 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 you're price capping. Right. You kill the thing. The greatest example, of course, for older people like me is the 1970s gas shortages. Right. Where they price capped the gallon price of a gallon of gas, and you had to wait in line 18 hours to get half a tank of gas. Because not only did you have to wait, you had to, they, they capped how much you could get when you got there. So price caps don't work. So yet again, in the name of helping the little guy... They're going to damage the little guy. They've already killed one avenue, basically the only avenue of lending they had, and now they're going. Now that they've killed one, another has arisen, and now they're looking to kill that one too. Yeah. So this is a Washington D.C. working force. We're the government. And we're here to help you, right? So, That's right. <laughs> That's right. Hurting the little guy. Seton Motley again, founder and president of Less Government. I encourage you to visit Less Government. Read not only this column but past columns of Seton's. They're really. Excellent. He also, you can also Thank find uh, less government on Facebook. Seton, I always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, sir. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with a former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. You have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, You'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The confident retirement approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Lyndon and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining to choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. 
Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. And, for example, providing policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting the very robust website, thefga.org. We have with us the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Bill, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, Bob, it's always my pleasure. Uh, One of the things I look forward to... uh, each week is uh, hearing your cheery voice on the on the phone, and uh, so here I am. Well, you know, and I look forward to it too. Not only for, to hear your voice, but also uh, to stay well informed on everything that's happening here locally. I just I want to guess the uh, city slowed down a little bit here, moving out of season. Well, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I think we've all noticed it. Um, that uh, you know, I, you know, we we all have barometers, so to speak. That those of us that have been here um, a long enough time to to you know, everybody has a different one. Well, Publix, there's less people in Publix. Or if you go to Winds, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you notice that there's less people there, and the and the traffic seems to be easier to get from the north end of town to the south end of town, and vice versa. Um, little you know, little things. Mine, mine. Uh, is always Mother's Day. I think Mother's Day is at the absolutely uh, drawing line uh, in the sand there. After Mother's Day, it is just plain quiet. But a lot of people have been saying to me this year, well, you know, there's a lot of people that have moved down here mm-hmm. and they think it's going to be busier. I, I I, tend to disagree with that. I, I, you know, even people that have moved down here, the many, many people that have moved down here, I think that a lot of them go on vacation. A lot of them still have places uh, up north. And those that moved and are not going anywhere, I think a lot of them are county residents, not so much city. So I, I will, that's something you and I will have to, we'll have to see how it goes after the, uh, after the summer. I, I, I would agree. We, of course, the restaurants are still pretty darn busy. So uh, that's a good indicator. Good litmus oh, test. Oh, they sure are. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, you know, the only time we have available, Mr. Hart, is 515. <laughs> yeah, you know, isn't that funny? I mean, we've noticed, I mean, the last couple of weeks, too. I mean, we went to, um, uh, well, we actually went to one of your favorite places, to Blue Provence, about two weeks ago. And we were lucky to get we were lucky to get a 515. And then um, last week we went to T. Michaels. We had some friends in from uh, upstate New York and we went to T. Michaels in on a, uh, last Saturday night. And, Bob, I'm, I'm telling you what, you're right. Uh, there weren't any open seats in that restaurant. They were they were full. But I think now um, I, I think we'll start to see that that slow down in the in the dining establishments as well. Absolutely. So, hey, I understand the uh, new city manager is starting uh, at the end of this. Yeah, he's he's due in May one. So uh, uh, next week he'll be on board. He's he's I think he's been back and forth a little bit, and uh, I I um, I'm gonna be very uh, optimistic about him. I, I've heard from people that I know over in uh, in the Palm Beach area that that, that he has a very good reputation. I, my only wish, if you just said, Hey, you want one wish, what's, what's your wish is that he is a strong, strong manager and can keep the, uh, the lions at bay. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. I, I, um, I hope that, um, Ms. Heitman, uh, Mayor Heitman will, uh, learn that she can't go running into his office uh, and whine and say she wants this and wants that. Um, and I think he's going to have to have a heart to heart with the city attorney as well saying, Hey, listen, City attorney, you're there to protect the, the city, but you're not going to run my business. So that's just my that's just my wish. That's uh, <laughs> if I could get that, <laughs> I'd be a happy camper. <laughs> well, when is that? When is the mayor's election coming up again? Is it a couple of years? Uh, two years. Two, two years, years from February. Wow. So so interesting. From last February. So there's going to be a lot happening next year. Um, I mean, when we get a year gone. I, I'd, I'd be surprised if she runs again. I don't see how she could. Uh, we'll see. There might be some surprises in the wind. Who knows? Who knows, indeed. So uh, any comments at all what's happening internationally and nationally? I mean, uh, one, thing that's, uh, uh, one thing that's really captured my imagination is uh, Elon Musk buying uh, and taking private uh, uh, Twitter. Right. Are you on Twitter? 
No, I'm not. I, I'm, I'm not a Twitter person because I just never had the time to do it. Yeah. Okay, so I, I, I have never done it. How about yourself? No, it's time-consuming. My wife, Linda's on Twitter all the time, and she gets a and lot. And what does she think? Well, she loves it. She gets all kinds of breaking information and news. It's She knows stuff before it, you know, literally before it happens. It's just amazing. Oh, I, yeah, I didn't mean it that way. I meant what does she think of uh, Elon Musk's uh, oh, oh. Um, acquisition yeah so uh i think we're both extremely supportive uh, i think it's great that so the richest man on 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 the earth has de- decided that free speech is so important to him and people being able to exercise their first amendment of rights that he wants to protect the town square so he's buying the company which is to i me- think it's great too i mean um there's you know <laughs> there's a lot of people that aren't happy with that but that's too bad i mean he's he seems to be pretty straightforward about it uh, in every interview I've seen. And the the uh, the media, some of the media is mixed, but, but some are absolutely, uh, you know, ecstatic about it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, so, I, and, you know, he has he has the Midas touch. I mean, they, he says he doesn't he didn't buy it as an investment. So forty four billion dollars or forty two billion dollars, a lot of coin, <laughs> a, lot, yeah, a lot of money. But, uh, you know, I suspect that when he starts to dig in and uh, take a look at what's going on with his company, uh, my guess is you're going to see that stock price go up. Oh, I agree. I, I I definitely agree. You know, he he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't have all that money and. And Tesla and everything else that he's got uh, because he's lucky. He's got it because he's good. And uh, um, he seems like a pretty, I mean, you know, just watching him and everything. I mean, he's, he seems like a pretty straightforward guy. Yeah. Um, and uh, so so we'll see. But, boy, that was certainly some big news. Yeah, it is. I would say, I would, uh, the, the word that I think of when I think of Elon Musk is eccentric. <laughs> he is, yeah. He walks to the beat <laughs> of his own drum for sure. And uh, he's, he's. And he does. Yeah, really. Well, of course, anybody anybody who has done accomplished what he's accomplished certainly marches to the beat of his own drum. It's pretty pretty amazing. Right, right, and and I think I don't know. I you know I watch the the Ukraine situation every day like most of us do, and uh, I mean we're, I think we're doing everything that we possibly can um, to get them their arms. Now, yesterday, they said um, that um, we're now getting weapons to them in 72 hours um which is which is pretty amazing yeah um and um you know there's a fine line there bob you know that i i just you know um russia keeps threatening you know now they're using the the nuclear word and uh what have you but i you know the nato countries are 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 strong together and um i i you know I think he's losing this battle, but I don't know where, what, to what extent he's going to go. It's hard to know what to no. believe, isn't it, Bill? I mean, uh, some things just don't add up to me. I mean, uh, it seems to me the Russian soldiers, they seem to be dispirited. They're not, uh, they thought they were going off to some sort of military exercise and ended up a war, in a war in Ukraine. Uh, I just don't see those people, like, shooting civilians in the back of the head and that kind of thing. That doesn't make any sense to me. So well, some, something doesn't add up. I know we're at 10, but, but I will tell you, it doesn't to me either, but I will, will say this, that there's so much disinformation there. Yep. I mean, you know, they control every bit of media and everything that goes in and out. So it's, it's hard for us to imagine that the people don't know what's going on, and yet they don't. Yeah, yeah, you're so right, Bill. A lot of propaganda, and we need to cut through the noise because we ended up in Iraq because of the same situation. People seeing everything as black and white, and we certainly don't want to do that again for sure. No. You know what, Bill? I just so much appreciate your commentary here in the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Bob, my pleasure, and you have a, have a wonderful day and a great weekend. And you as well. Thank you so much, Bill. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I had fun. Always appreciate uh, your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. Also, if you enjoy the show, please tell your friends. We would appreciate it, and I'm sure our sponsors would as well. Tomorrow, we've got great guests lined up. Terry Kayla is, uh, I hope I'm pronouncing his, na- his name correctly, he's a, a retired bank executive. He's written a book on Alzheimer's, and uh, look forward to uh, his sharing his personal experiences as well as the information that he has about it. It's very interesting. We'll also visit, visit with uh, William Yateman, research fellow at the Cato Institute. He'll be joining us as well. And Phil Kirpin is uh, a, 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 an executive with uh, the 
group that writes the uh, newsletter. It's called the, uh, I've forgotten the name of any, American Exceptionalism. Phil Kirpin is the president of uh, American, and I've forgotten the last name. I don't have it here in front of me. But anyhow, a frequent guest and a good guest. And then Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston and uh, author of many, many books. Larry will be joining us as well. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs> <laughs>